So quite honestly, I don't even know how to do this. And I've never recorded myself speaking or even speaking about myself and everything that I've gone through over a recording. I'm very good behind the keyboard or the, you know, typing my story. But when it comes to speaking about it, I feel like I can kind of get on some bunny trails and just blab. So if that happens during this quick podcast recording thing, I don't even know what it is. Bear with me and um, I'll try to wrap it back around. Um, So I just wanted to pop on here and record myself talking because I've never done it before. I kind of felt called to do something of this nature today. And I kind of just wanted to introduce myself, kind of explain my upbringing, my childhood, everything that I've gone through, and help you guys to see kind of what brought me to where I am today and the person that I am today. So I guess we're just going to hop into it. And I can kind of tell you my whole life story without getting too in-depth and personal. Um, So essentially, I was born um, in Colorado. I was raised in a very small town in Colorado. Um, I think there were less than 1,200 people there when I was living in Colorado in that small town. And I don't remember a ton about my childhood experiences. I think a lot of the reason for that is because when I was a young child, I endured some trauma and abuse from the time I was in pre-K until I was in sixth grade. And, you know, all of those blur- those years are really blurry in my mind just because the more I've learned about it and kind of learned more about PTSD and how our brain works to protect us from anything traumatizing, um, I didn't really understand why I couldn't, you know, remember a lot of my childhood and there were just big gaps missing and people would say, don't you remember that? And I'd be like, ah, uh, I don't. <laughs> so, um, and just, you know, just like two years ago, I accepted this trauma and abuse and I've been working through it and I think there's been a lot of healing that has come from that and a lot of my my childhood memories have kind of been brought to the surface so I'm able to remember a little bit more but it's still quite hazy and quite patchy so I'll do my best you know I I don't remember a ton but I do remember that I was a total brat from the very beginning I was a very troublesome child from day one and I remember my parents, my family, and my teachers, and everybody around me just telling my parents and myself, like, you just want to grow up. You don't want to be a kid. You just want to grow up so fast. And I was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) Like, I didn't enjoy being a kid. I didn't enjoy being told what to do. I was just very, um, just snotty. And I did everything opposite that everyone else was doing. So I, you know, I stirred up a lot of problems when I was in elementary school. I gossiped a lot about my friends, stirred up a lot of problems in our friend groups and in our elementary school. I lied to a lot of people. I made up all these stories about who I was and where I came from. I stole a lot of stuff. I cheated a lot. And I was just kind of a a hard kid with a very aggressive attitude and very fiery temper from the very beginning. And fast forward into, you know, middle school years, I um, I just simply remember that I had a couple good friends when I got into middle school um, that were my ride or dies, and I still am kind of friends with them today. And I was um, doing okay in sixth grade, I believe, but in seventh grade, um, you know, my 
what I was going through in my childhood had come to an end. And I remember a couple boys that were upperclassmen had approached me one day at school and they started mocking me for some stuff that happened during my childhood that I literally had never told anybody about that was like top secret. Like I pretended it didn't happen and they had brought it to my attention and they were making fun of me and mocking me. And God forbid they ever listen to this because they're going to be like, oh shit, that was me. But um, I, I just remember like my trauma got stirred up so tremendously and I remember I just went downhill so freaking fast. And in the moment, I was like, I'm just an angry kid. Everyone's labeled me at this. I'm just going to accept who I am and just be an angry bratty kid. But when I'm looking back now and after I've learned all this stuff about childhood trauma, I recognize that my brain was literally going back into the flight or fight mode that it had been in, you know, a very dormant constant state when I was in elementary school. It was arising again mentally for me and I just got sucked back into it so fast and I remember I started self-harming. I was very um, depressed all the time, such deep, dark depression. I was, um, you know, just so unhappy with my life and the person that I was and that was like the, you know, the majority of my middle school years. I was still causing problems, gossiping, lying, stealing, cheating, all this crap and I just thought, you know, I was, I was very much so being labeled by a lot of my teachers, um, my parents, my family members, my friends in a way that like, you know, you're you're not being ladylike. You are not supposed to speak up when something is wrong or when you don't agree with something. And I was just kind of told to sit, stay in this little box of being a woman and not um, running my mouth or stirring up problems or standing up for what I believed in. And, you know, I, I, I understand very well that I didn't handle a lot of my emotions correctly when I was younger. Um, I was very, very, very just snotty about it and loud and verbally attacked a lot of people that I was coming in contact with. So I do acknowledge that my parent, my parents, my teachers and my family members and friends were probably like, holy shit, you need to get it together, girlfriend. But, um, you know, I was, I, it was really just a cry for help and I can't necessarily say that I ever really got a lot of help besides from my school counselor that was with me from day one until I graduated. Um, so then I went, um, into high school. I remember I loved freshman and sophomore year. I was on the dance team. I was playing volleyball. Um, I felt like I fit in. Now, a quick side note, I'm going to go off on a little bunny trail, then I'm going to swing right back around and we're going to touch base on the rest of my life, which I know you're dying to hear. So, um, I mentioned I played sports. Now, in these small towns, and if you're from a small town, you will be like, Becca, I got you. I know exactly what you're talking about. If you do not play sports, if you are not an all-star athlete, if your parents and their parents and their great-grandparents and their great-great-great-grandparents and, you know, everybody in their family has not lived in that small town community for pretty much since the dinosaurs roamed the earth, like, you don't fit in very well. And I mean that in a way that like everybody in my community, all the kids in my class that were very popular had parents that were also very popular in the community because their parents lived there and they went to school there. So it's kind of like this little um, community that all the popular people have that are kind of like, haha, we've been here longer than you. We matter. You don't. And it's like a very like unspoken, but very well known um, like culture within these small towns and let me just tell you, when you're not 
a popular kid, you don't play sports, nobody knows who your parents are, it's rough, my friend. It is way rough. And I remember I was just trying so freaking hard to like make it on the starting team of varsity volleyball. And so people could know that I was a rockin' athlete and I mattered. And I never got there. And like, I feel like I worked very hard. Perhaps I was not a very good volleyball player, but, um, you know, eventually I gave up because I was tired of being put, um, you know, just on the bench for all the games. And, um, but wrapping it back around, it's very hard to fit in if you don't play sports and you don't meet this very specific personality that they're looking for in these small towns. Um, so, you know, I got to, I believe my sophomore year, the end of my sophomore year, I was doing okay. Um, all of a sudden, I kind of um, gave into these eating disorder thoughts and behaviors that I had had probably since middle school. And they became so strong that literally every day all I was thinking about was food, my body, what I was going to eat, what I wasn't going to eat, feeling guilty for what I did eat. It was just like a 24-7 constant brain that was just running with all of these negative eating disorder shit thoughts. And, you know, eventually I, I got so wrapped up in it and I was losing a lot of weight and I was just not myself and I was kind of going back into that old Becca, as I like to say. And I turned to drugs as not as a way of I didn't love to get high. Let's make that very clear. But I did love the way that it made my brain stop running. It was a very good distraction from eating and from my brain surrounding nothing or thinking about nothing but food. Like it was it was just the perfect distraction that and the perfect coping mechanism and escape that I needed to you know, really, um, free myself of those eating disorder thoughts. So I started to self-medicate and use drugs to shut off my fiery brain and the sophomore, um, I did this probably for all of the sophomore, my sophomore year of summer before I got into my junior year of high school, if that makes sense. And, um, I remember I overdosed that summer when I was on a family vacation. Um, that's when my parents found out that I had an eating disorder and I was using drugs. Then I, you know, I came back home. I was in my junior year of high school, you know, trying really hard to keep my grades up and play volleyball and do dance, but I, I was just not right. And I lost so many of my friends because I was just a horrible shit friend. Um, you're going to hear this a lot in this podcast that I'm just a crappy friend. And I acknowledge that and I accept it 100%. And um, I remember one day I had, you know, skipped school and half a day of school to go get drunk and high after lunch. I had came back to school um, so I could go to volleyball practice. And you would have thought that um, a fucking prisoner serial killer man was roaming our town and everyone in the town was trying to find him. I get back to school and I kid you not, there's police officers there, the school like principal and the... um, the receptionist secretary lady and my parents were there and just like the counselor was there and some of my friends and everyone was like, oh my gosh, where were you? We've been looking for you all day. I was like, what? 
I didn't know we had to call the whole city for a search and rescue if I don't go to school for half the day. Um, you know, but um, ultimately they were worried about me because my friend, one of my friends had approached them and let them know that I was doing drugs. I likely had some in my locker in my backpack that I had struggled with an eating disorder. Like she was just going to them as like a cry for help for me that I didn't have enough courage to make myself. Um, I was very angry at her, at her, um, you know, at the time, but now I'm very thankful that she took that step and was a voice for me when I literally couldn't articulate what I needed. Um, so I remember this was just, it was a whirlwind. You know, I had to quit volleyball. The cops made me go to the hospital and do a drug test. I was, um, they threatened to go into my home and bring drug dogs in where my, you know, very young little sister was going to be at home, you know, which I couldn't even imagine if they would have done that. So it was just like very messy. And, you know, that's when I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done being in the spiral. I'm done of you know, with everyone knowing all of my business in this small country, ranching, farming community, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people not having their story straight and making up all these scenarios about me. And I know that if I don't get help, I'm going to die or I'm going to be homeless or I'm just going to be a shit ass person. So I, you know, I was like, mom, counselor, principal, cops, everybody that's on my side, I'm going to treatment. You know, it was within a week that I was transported to Denver. I was in a treatment facility for three to four months. If any of you guys have ever been in a rehab or a treatment facility, you know how isolating and weird and just awful it is. And um, you also understand that, you know, people can't go into treatment or rehab kicking and screaming and, you know, not wanting to go in. So I think that I had the level of success that I did after leaving treatment and the level of understanding and just growth and mindfulness and maturity that came with treatment because I was very vulnerable and put myself in that situation and was really willing to do all the steps and go through the program and really, um, you know, just heal from the inside out. So I'm very thankful that I was willing to go and put myself in treatment without having other people tell me that I had to do it. And I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to do that. And I'm very grateful to my parents for spending, you know, so much money on my treatment and transporting me there and coming to see me all the time. I'm very thankful. Um, I got back to school. I was very vulnerable. I was very just excited to be alive, alive and so thankful to have to have been given a second chance. And I remember just feeling so free and empowered and just 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 so good like all the shit that bothered me before didn't bother me anymore until like one day I remember this girl very 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 specifically and I remember a couple other girls that were a part of her I like to call them the high school like they were like the mean girls in this small community which other people would probably die laughing if they like whatever so um there were this you know these groups of girls and this one girl in particular that I um, I still very much resent and I don't think I fully forgiven and my heart is very hard towards her, um, you know, that had come to me or they hadn't even come to me. They had come to all my friends and word travels in a small town, like lighting a dry ass field on fire. It just flows like lava. So she had went and talked to people around the school and I had actually heard them one time in the locker room and they were saying, you know, Becca's doing all this shit for attention. There's nothing wrong with her. She She's just doing it all for attention. She's mentally fucked up. And you know what? Homegirl, 
That caused my very first relapse. Um, I think it was a month after being um, released from treatment. My very first eating disorder and drug-related relapse. And um, that was very hard. And it was very hard for me to be in such a vulnerable place and to have people just kick me down when I was, you know, when I had overcome so much and I felt so wonderful and proud of myself and just just light and just alive and they were like oh yeah let me just show you how important you are and how much you suck so um that was tough and you know what like I said I still hold a lot of resentment against that girl for saying that stuff and and I hope and pray that one day I can forgive her and move on and realize that you know we were young and things were said and things happened but um you know, quick bunny trail. I think people need to realize how how powerful their words are and how how much they can absolutely destroy someone when they are, you know, either down or when they finally built themselves back up and you just kick them right back down. Um, and I think that comes with maturity, but I also think there's a lot of shit-ass people in this world that just feel the need to piss on people that, you know, literally don't have a big space in their life and they've never done anything wrong. So, um, Let's trail back from that bunny trail. You know, I graduated from high school. I went to college in Denver. Um, For the first two years, I studied fashion merchandising. And I did that because I really wanted to break the eating disorder culture, um, you know, realm within the fashion industry. So that was my passion. I wanted to take what I had went through and make a career out of it and a difference. Um, Shortly after going through that... um, that program at the end of my sophomore year, I decided to switch my gears to, um, sorry, to psychology. And so I studied psychology for two years. And, um, I remember my, my junior year of college, everything kind of stopped. I was living the very wild, you know, constant partying, careless life, um, you know, college, um, you know, typical experience. I was just living it. And I remember my junior year of high school or of college, I got really sick with Lyme disease. I literally had to put everything on hold and focus primarily on my health and then school and keeping a job. I was just trying to survive. I remember just trying to continue to face every second at a time and take every minute by minute because I was like fighting tooth and nail to just survive and just to provide for myself and to get through school. I did not want to stop school. So I can talk about, you know, this and some other stuff in later recordings if I ever do this again. Um, but I I got very sick. I experienced a lot of crazy symptoms. I was so jacked up. I lost a lot of friends because I was playing the poor me. It's all about me game. And they didn't understand what I was going through. And instead of trying to educate them, I put them in a box and told them to fuck off because they didn't know what I was going through, which looking back was so wrong of me. I could have simply educated them and taken what they gave me, you know. So, you know, I lost a lot of friends. I I started to heal. Um within two years, my body healed very slowly, but surely I graduated college. Then I moved, um, from Denver and I worked with the homeless population population as a caseworker Then I moved once again. And now I am a caseworker with, um, child protective services. So I've, you know, I've been kind of moving a lot within the last couple of years and I absolutely love my career and I love the, you know, the, the person I've become despite all of my, the things I've gone through. And to wrap this podcast up, because I don't know if there's a whole lot more I have to say about me and growing up. Um, 
But my, my very, my, my sole purpose and my sole calling and passion is just to help others the way that I once longed to be helped and to be understood the way that I wanted to be understood. I think there's a lot of people that just don't understand mental illnesses or chronic illnesses or, you know, substance abuse disorders or eating disorders or behavioral, behavioral issues. And they're, um, they simply don't care to learn more about it. So a lot of people put us in these boxes of you don't, you don't make any sense. There's nothing wrong with you. You're crazy, you know, and they just label us and kind of shove us to the side. And I remember when I was going through, you know, pretty much, you know, everything. I, I, my, my trauma, my eating disorder, my substance abuse, my Lyme, my SIBO, you know, what have you. I felt so freaking lonely and so isolated and misunderstood and just like I was a burden to everybody because if you don't suffer from any of the things that I just listed, nor if you've, you you know, you've never had a, a life-changing, very traumatic, hard experience, like um, losing someone you love or being diagnosed with a crazy illness or having a mental um, health disorder, like God bless you. And I wish I was that lucky to not have any problems like that. However, like when, when you're in that, when you're that kind of person, it's very hard to empathize with the people that are suffering because you've never experienced something hard. I feel a lot of pity for people that have had everything handed to them. They've never worked for anything that they have, and they've never had to overcome something so impossible within themselves um, to grow. And I, it's so funny when I go back to, you know, the hometown I grew up in, which I don't love to do that because a lot of traumatic memories are brought up and I feel like everyone still judges me from the person I was in high school and perhaps they do perhaps they don't but that's just how I feel um I I will interact with these people that were you know of my age and they are the same damn person that they were five six seven years ago and I'm like my goodness gracious you haven't changed one bit and that's because you're just skating through life you know, so easily in this little small town community where you matter and where you feel like everyone cares about you and where you have found a sense of community and you, there's no growth, there's no cultural awareness, there's no expansion of what you already know. It's kind of like you're just there and you, you continue to be the same person that you always have been. And I go back and I just hate interacting with these people because I, I just feel like so, Oh, so frustrated because it's hard to have an educated conversation with them because um, they're just stuck in the person that they used to be. And they're going to continue this cycle of just breeding all of these athletes and having babies when they're 21 years old and just building up this little athlete clan that can grow up in this school and take it over so that they can have kids and they can live there and then their kids can take over the school. And 50 years later, we can talk about the touchdown they made. Oh, okay. I'm done with my rant, but um, the point is, I like to call it small town mentality, where people are just so stuck in the old-fashioned ways, and they don't give a rat's ass who's struggling with what or what's going on, because they've never struggled with it before, so why does it matter to them? So I, I feel very passionate about bringing awareness, about um, you know breaking the stigma, and helping people just become educated about um, all of the stuff that I've listed before. And to help people just feel supported and known and loved and cared for and understood with all of these crazy, you know, experiences that they may be going through, whether that be mentally or physically or behaviorally, 
um, I remember when I was experiencing one of my main symptoms was literally a brain chatter where there was like words in my brain. I wasn't hearing things, but I could feel and hear. I don't know. It's it's very weird to articulate. And if you have Lyme disease or if you've ever experienced something like this before, you'll get it. But it's just this constant brain chatter and your brain is always just going. And I remember feeling like I was schizophrenic and I told somebody about it and they were like, yeah, you're schizophrenic. And I was like, uh, and I most definitely was not like it was my Lyme. Once I got my Lyme under control, the chatter stopped. But like, like I said, like it's just a lack of empathy and understanding and a lack of people wanting to understand. So the whole purpose of me creating this blog and Instagram and recording myself talking on this damn microphone today is just to help people know that they are not alone, that they matter and that this, these wax symptoms you may be experiencing that you feel like no one else has ever experienced before, like you're not alone. And I'm damn sure that they've like more people than you could have ever imagined have experienced what you're experiencing um, today. So I don't know if you want to hear another one of these again, let me know, send me a message, post, email, whatever, um, and let me know specifically what you'd like me to talk about. And I'll, I'll definitely jump in. I really, like I said, I just want to create a sense of community and share my story and um, be a light for those that seem to have no light in their life. So thanks for giving me this opportunity to use this platform to, you know, share a little bit more about me. And I think that's all I have to say about myself. So thank you.